Welcome to the first week of our mini-series called Questions. Questions. Now, please turn to Jeremiah 29 or Jerry 29 if you're tight with him. Um, Little sword drill. Okay, ready? I win. Okay. Um, Jeremiah chapter 29 is where we're going to start this morning in our mini-series on questions. Now, next week, as I kind of gave you a preview, we're going to have a panel discussion with the elders and pastors here. And, and we want you to help shape that by submitting your questions. And we have two ways that you can do that anonymously. And many of you already have, but we, we'd love more. The first, uh, in the back, on that back table, there are blank index cards and some pens. And you just fill it out and, and throw it in, in the basket. Okay? Like uh, anything. Anything. Um, and, and it's anonymous. The second way is that Ryan has, has, has provided on the website, gunnisonbethany.com, on the scrolling front landing page, uh, there's a, a logo for questions. Okay, if you click on that, it brings up a Google form, and you can just fill that out, and we get it, but there's no way to trace it back to you. So um, anonymous ways that you can submit your questions, please do that today, and we'll, we'll have that for you next week. Now, before we dive in, I just have one more commercial that three weeks from today, on July 14th, that Sunday, by popular demand, we will be beginning a series for women called Rise Up. Rise Up. Um, it might be a little shorter than the men's series because this is a very dangerous series for me to be doing <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, no, we're going we're gonna to have a great time. And so if, if you're a woman, if you're a young lady, if you're, if you're a senior, whatever, do not miss it. If you're a guy, really don't miss it. Why? Because we need all the help that we can get in understanding these beautiful and complex creatures. Um, so it's going to be fun for all of us. Three weeks from today, rise up. Uh, tell your friends. Very practical. Uh, I think it'll be a blessing to you. So questions. Questions for God. Questions about God. Questions of faith. That's what we're talking about. Questions. Now, there are two kinds of people. There are people who readily admit that they have questions about God, questions of faith, and then there are liars. Okay. Are you one who readily admits that they have... Now, churches... Churches are chock full of people who are hesitant to admit that we have questions about God, that we have questions about faith. But at Bethany, we really, really want to try to be honest, to be honest, that we, that we have questions, that there are unanswered questions. And this makes sense, does it not? It makes sense. I mean, look at me. I, uh, Western just switched from Blackberries to the iPhone last week. I cannot figure out what's going on there. I cannot figure out how not to delete the real Hiles Wise from their jersey from the DVR. 
I can't seem to do that. What makes me think that I will not have some questions about the eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent God who breathed everything that is into existence, who is redeeming everything that is, and everyone who wants Him through the sacrificial death of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross? Would I, in my infinite wisdom, in my incredibly limited wisdom, not have some questions? You bet I would. You bet you would. This is a safe place for that. The presence of God is a safe place for that. It makes sense. It makes sense. Tom, I'd like you to meet the eternal God. Any questions? Yeah, one or two. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, think about, think about the Apostle Paul, okay? It is certainly possible to know God. It is certainly called to us to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. It is possible and it is certainly called to us to know God through his eternal word, okay? But think about the Apostle Paul who, who knew Jesus personally, who is probably one of the most spiritually buff, biblically saturated, um, just mentally brilliant people, who says this at the end of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. He says, now you and I see through a glass darkly as we look at God. We see through a mirror dimly, depending upon which, uh, which version you're using. But then, when, when we're in eternity, when we're with him through the grace of Jesus Christ, we will see him face to face. We will not just see him, we will know him as deeply as he knows us. But right now, right now, even the best of us, glass darkly, mirror dimly. Are there going to be unanswered answer questions? You bet. Get used to it. I mean, it does make sense. Let's do this. This is my wife, Sheree. I Raise your hand for those who don't know you. Hi, I'm incredibly proud of you. Okay, no, I'm incredibly proud to be married to this wonderful woman. In fact, we've been married almost 27 years after having dated five years. So for the last 32 years of my young life, I have had, as one of my main goals, understanding more deeply this wonderful woman. And after tens of thousands of hours of conversation, inside jokes, laughter, prayer, questions, answers, after all of that, on a scale of 1 to 10, about how deeply I know and understand this this creation of God. Maybe I'm at a five. No, honestly, right? Some days I behave like I'm at a two. Amen? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I pray 
That God would give us many years together so that I can further discover, so that I can know her even more deeply, so that I can love her in life-giving ways, so that I can sacrifice and serve her in the best ways. Okay? Does it not make sense that if there is more to know, if there's more to understand about my wife, that we in our relationship with God would have infinitely more to know. Because although she is beautiful and complex, God revealed through Jesus Christ and through his scripture is infinitely more beautiful, infinitely more complex. Would it not stand to reason that there is more to know? Yes. Yes. That does not deny what we already know. And that we build that on the foundation. But there is more to know. And, and yet, I would say this. That if you do not have unanswered questions about God, then your God is too small. Is too small. Now, some of you will push away from that and say, oh, no, no, no. How many of you have met Christians who have an answer for everything? They have, they have everything figured out. You know, you'll ask them, that tornado touched down and it took one house and left the other one. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why that is. I don't even know those people, but I'll tell you why that. You see them at a funeral, they're going to tell you why this person got sick, why that person died, who's going to die next. Like, really? They know everything. They know everything. And they're going to tell you. And, and my, they may be our brothers, they may be our sisters, they may be you. But I would just say, Christians who know everything and have to tell everybody everything sound like idiots, embarrass the faith, and drive people away from Christ. Okay? These people would rather eat a tinfoil sandwich than say, you know what? I don't know. But this one thing I do know. There is a God, and God is good, and God is sovereign. And when I don't know, He knows, and we have to trust Him. Amen. We have to get comfortable with the fact that we know what He's revealed, and we know what He hasn't. But in knowing Him, He is enough for what we have no clue about. And we rest as His children. Because he knows. And he is enough. Okay, that was a little rant. Let's get back to my wife. No, I know you were hoping we'd get back to you. I know. The way that I love her. And the way that I still have unanswered questions about her. They are in the context of the fact that we have a commitment of never-ending love. A never-ending love relationship. So I ask this. Are unanswered questions about God, the questions that you have, that you would ask God today, are they in the context of a never-ending love relationship through Jesus Christ, or are they deal-breakers? You see, my questions about getting to know Shri more deeply, none of them are deal-breakers. They're in the context of that loving, eternal relationship. Are your questions 
for God, about God? Are they deal breakers? Because in this context of a never-ending love relationship, those answers are safe to provide. Because she knows what I'm going to do with them. I'm going to use them to love her better, to serve her more by the grace of God. And yet, some of us are demanding answers from God and have already defined them as deal breakers. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 13. Let's take a look. I'd like, this is a short one. Let's, let's read this together, okay? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Okay, um, since I, I say this in love, since that was lame, let's do it again. Okay, ready? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Okay, amen. Oh, amen. Now, this is a great promise for us who have questions. Who have questions, right? This is a wonderful promise. Here's the promise. You can find God. You will find God. You will know God. You can know God as your father, as your king, as your brother, as your friend, as your rescuer, as your savior, as your sustainer, as your very life, as the love of your life. You can. He wants to be known. He wants you to find him. He is not hiding. God wants you to find him. God wants you to know him more deeply than your closest earthly relationship. Okay, that's the promise. You will seek me and deeply find me. He wants you to find him so much that he's revealed himself through sending God with skin on his son, Jesus Christ. He has revealed himself through Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection out of love. He has revealed himself through his word. He is revealing himself through his people. He is revealing himself through his prayer, through prayer. He'll speak to you. He reveals himself through the Holy Spirit, pressing on our hearts, sparking our minds, guiding, guiding, pulling, drawing, seducing in the very, very best sense of the word, us to him. Amen. He is revealing himself because he wants to be found. But, and this is a big old but, um, at the end of this verse is a condition. Do you see it? Do you see the condition? Here it is. When you seek me with all your heart, When you seek me with all your heart, if your asking of questions is in the context of a never-ending, no-deal-breaking love relationship, you're going to find me. But if you're putting me on trial, if you're putting him to the test, if you're using it as a way to not draw closer, but to push yourself away and be justified in your mind in doing so, That is off the table. That is off the table. The condition is when you seek me with all your heart. God is doing what we talked about last week in the the end of the man series. He's calling our motives into question. Not just the question, but why are you asking the question? What are you going to do with the answer? 
Now, the New Testament, if you've read through it, if not, I encourage you to do so. Those Bibles under the seat are yours to steal. But it's not stealing because it's our free gift, so take them if you don't own one. If you read through the New Testament, you're going to find two groups who are forever peppering Jesus with questions all the time. The first group are the Pharisees, and the second group are his apostles, his posse, right? Those who are following him. They are both asking him, but from entirely different, even opposite motives. The, the, the Pharisees, those who know scripture backwards and forwards, are threatened by his claims to be God in the flesh, to be the Messiah, to be the rescuer, right? So they ask him questions to trap him and reject him, to make him look bad. Don't try that with the God of the universe. You're going to lose. But they asked a lot of questions from that motive. The apostles asked a lot of questions because, frankly, some of them were not too bright. But they asked questions again and again and again from this motive. So that they might understand the heart and the nature and the character of God. So they might know Him. So they might love Him more deeply. So that they might be steeped in His love. So that they might follow Him more closely. So the question itself is not just the issue. It's what is motivating the question. What are you going to do with the answer? Are you going to use it to love Him more deeply? To understand Him more closely? To follow Him more passionately? We're going to use it to justify pushing him away. Well, apparently you haven't been to my history class. Apparently you don't study geology, God. Apparently you don't agree with me. So, really? Don't play that with the God of the universe. And don't expect answers. If when you get them, you don't humbly repent and accept and submit and surrender to the truth. It's as if God is saying to you and to me, okay, you got questions. Great. I created you to have questions so that I might answer them so that you might be filled with truth and light and you might know the depths of my love for you despite whatever you've done. I've created you to, to find answers, to find me, so that you might, you might surrender fully to me and know me more and more and walk in newness of light and ever-increasing life and light and truth. I want you to have but. But if you're asking me these questions so that you can justify your lack of faith, so you can justify being your own God. So that you can justify rejecting me. Then these questions, that promise is off the table. Because you have not sought me. Because you have not asked me. Because you're not seeking answers with a pure heart. With your whole heart. That when I give you the truth... You're going to say, thank you, Lord. It's not what I was expecting, but it's you and you're enough. And I submit to that. I bow before that. I love you and I surrender and I repent. So think about 
your questions and what motivates them. God is saying, you think it's about the answers to your unanswered questions. I'm telling you, it's about your heart motive. Why do you want to know? What are you going to do with the answer? Will you come closer or will you go farther away? Have you responded to the truth I have already revealed to you? Yeah, God, but why do you let people live in poverty? And God says, why do you let people live in poverty? You know I've said to you, care for the poor as if they were for me. If I gave you the answer, would you be faithful to it? You've already proven that you're not. Why do you hunger for more truth when you have not responded to the truth I've already revealed? God, why don't you, why don't you give me more? Why don't you give me more of yourself? If everything I give to you, you squander, why would I give you more? You've already shown that you have no intention of following me and glorifying me with it. The opposite is also true. The opposite of all is also true. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. There are a lot of people who will come to my office at, at the college. And, and let's say it's a guy who goes to Western, right? And he's got this, this need, this difficulty in his life. And I'm very glad that he's there. Very glad. Because this is weighing on his heart. And, and he shares it with me, right? Because he wants to know what, what God thinks about this issue. And, and so I listen. And, and I learn. And then he'll say, well, what does God think? And I'll share some scriptures. And I'll share some life changes. And, and encourage him. And we'll pray. And ultimately I'll point him to Jesus. Because it doesn't matter what your question is. Jesus is the answer. And, and, then, and then we'll go away. And more, more often than not. More often than not. And it doesn't have to be a guy. And you don't have to be a college student for this to be true. Said over the next several months, this person will come back again and again. Except later on, the the question is not, what does God think about this? It, It changes to, Why don't these other people change? Why don't my circumstances change? Why is this thing that I think is right, wrong? And I'll always go back and say, what have you done with the scriptures that we shared? What have you done with the life changes that we discussed? What what have you done with Jesus? And practically the answer is nothing. The real question is, why should God give you more light? Why should God give you more truth? When you've already shown him, you have no intention of responding wholeheartedly to the light that he's already revealed to you. What I say, and I try to say it in in love, is that 
You no longer want to know what God thinks. You want to know how you can be your own God. And I can't help you with that. I, I can't help you with that. And so many people, many people, and I know this from my own experience as well, will choose to go on in life not having these questions answered because the base question has not been responded to. Are you tracking with me? And so we live frustrated lives unchanged because other people are the problem, because these circumstances are the problem. And we will do everything within our power to not be self-reflective and say, Lord, am I the problem? You know, you know people who go through life frustrated and defeated because everybody else and everything else is the problem. Take a look at how this unfolds uh, with people who don't really want to find the answers to their questions. I mean, with this guy who is the example, why should God answer question three, two, three, four, ninety-nine, one thousand? When they have shown that they have no intention of honoring and responding to the answer to question number one. It's progressive. Go to uh, Romans chapter one. I want you to see how this plays out. We're going to pick it up in verse 18. It's on the screen if you want to watch. Read it along with me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay? Suppress the truth. Not just in classrooms, not just in conversations, in their own hearts and minds. They don't want the truth. They want their truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. Because he loves them. Because he wants people to find him. Verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made in creation. So they who suppress the truth are without excuse. Check this out. For although they knew God, although they knew about God, in their heart of hearts, they knew they were not an accident. They knew there was a God. They can't look at the heavens. They can't look at the Gunnison Valley. They can't look at the mountains. They can't look at a baby. They can't look at their hand. They can't breathe without knowing. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see what happened? Do you see what God did? Three times later, as you go through that chapter in in verses 24, 26, and 28, it will say God gave them up to. God gave them up to lusts of their heart. 
to dishonorable passions, to a debased mind. God reveals himself. If we respond to that revelation, to that light, if we respond to it, God turns up the light. If we do not respond to the revelation of God, whether it's in creation, whether it's through his son Jesus, whether it's through private time in the word, whether it's to, through um, sitting under biblical, gospel-centered, Christ-centered teaching, whether it's through another Christian or a spiritual counselor, when we do not respond because we do not like the answer, because it doesn't line up with the way we believe God should behave. God turns down the light, just as he did in Romans. Do you know, do you know what this is? You know what this is? It's a dimmer switch. It is. It is technically a rheostat, but I do not want to intimidate you with my electrical genius. It's a dimmer switch. And Larry Osborne, um, Pastor Larry Osborne, um, calls this the dimmer switch principle. Now, how many of you have these in your house or have at one time or have ever seen one or even have a pulse or haven't fallen asleep yet? Okay, good. Half of you, good. Okay, then here's the quiz. What happens when you twist this to the right? You get more light, right? It's brighter. What happens when you turn it to the left? You get less light, more darkness. And when you hear that clicking sound, it's totally off. You got nothing. God has one of these for each one of us. Every time God reveals himself in one of those ways that we talked about, and we respond to it, either by accepting or rejecting or saying, wait, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to wait and then expect more revelation. Here's what happens. We have dimmer switches in here. Ashley, if you bring the house lights down and put the dimmers of the sconces onto medium. Okay. Now it's kind of romantic, isn't it? Let's say this is the baseline. And, and you either pray or you come to church. Um, you hear the gospel, you hear truth, you have a friend, you go to, and, and you receive a revelation, a light from God, and you do not respond to it, or you push it away. What this scripture is saying is God turns down the light. If you take them down just a little bit. The Bible will say, He allows your heart to be hardened. But he doesn't give up his his truth, his love, his grace reaches out to you again. And if you push him away, you get less light. And again, and again in his love, he reaches out and asks you to respond. He reveals himself through his word, through a message, through friends, through your prayer time, through his word. And you don't respond, comes down again until there's just a glimmer. 
and you're walking in ever-increasing darkness. And you're asking, why doesn't God answer my questions? He did. He's back at number one. You haven't responded. Bring them up, if you would, to halfway. The opposite is also true. We see this in the Jeremiah scripture, right? We twenty nine thirteen that if we we will seek and find him when we seek, if we seek him with all our heart. So he wants to be found. So if you come, if you hear, if you read, if you pray, if if you're poured into by somebody else and there's a truth of God revealed to you and you submit to it and you repent before it, you say, God, all truth is your truth and I want you. And if that's your truth, I'm submitting to it. I'm repenting about not submitting to it. Guess what? You get more light. And he reveals more of himself. And you say, great, that's what I want. That's what I want. Pour into me. It's not that I want you to be more like me. I want to be more like you. I want to live in the light of your love. I want to repent of everything that's not of you. Guess what happens? More light. And you start walking until all of it, all the way up, house lights up. You're walking in ever-increasing light, not ever-increasing darkness. And we see this with the apostles and the Pharisees. They both had questions to ask. So what are you going to do with the answer? Here's a secret. Most of you have already answered what you're going to do. You say, what? Most of us have already told God what we're going to do when he gives us light. By how we've responded or not responded to what he's already shown us. Are you tracking with me? We want more and more light without having responded to the light that he's already given us. Before we answer specific questions next week, I want us to think about the questions we're asking. And if we're asking in the context of a history of not responding to the truth he's already shown us, we need to go back. Go back and say, you have put this on my heart and I don't like it. It's not the truth I was looking for, but it is the truth. And it's not about my friends and it's not about my boss and it's not about my circumstances. It's about me. It's about me. Your pastor deals with this. The reason Gunnison does not know Jesus Christ. The reason we don't have eight services because everybody from the university is fighting to get in here is not because of your unfaithfulness. It is not because of their hard-heartedness. It's because of me. And I need to take responsibility for what God has put on my heart.
you are in a situation now. If you're breathing. Or you want God's wisdom. You want God's answer about somebody else. Why don't these people change? Why doesn't my boss change? Why doesn't my wife change? Why doesn't my husband change? Why don't my children change? Why don't my parents change? Why doesn't this circumstance change? And God is saying, You're the one. You're the one I want to change. I can't bring change. I can't bring life. I'm not going to bring light to these other things until you go back to square one. And you know where square one is. Because you and I heard it, didn't like it, and put it under the carpet. Bring it out and say, I can't go forward. I won't have more light until I respond, until I repent of what you've already shown me. Change me. I know I have said things today that you did not want to hear, but I love you. And it's because I love you that I do it. I needed to hear it too. And now we have have a choice. God has the dimmer switch. Do we want to walk in ever-increasing light or ever-increasing darkness? He wants us. He pleads with us. Find me. Balls in your court. Dimmer switches in his hand. I plead with you. Respond. Let's pray. Oh God. Thank you. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for not turning the switch all the way to the left and clicking it off. It's only by your love and your mercy and your grace that you continue to reveal yourself to us. Lord, take me, take all of us back to square one that we might respond and receive and repent and accept and submit and rest and throw ourselves wholeheartedly on what you have revealed. Lord, for some of us here, it is knowing the gospel, but not allowing the truth that Jesus came and died and lived then died and rose again so that we could have new life. We have known that and settled for the old life. Lord, that that they would respond. For others of us who are sure, sure that we responded to the gospel, Lord, you've revealed that you are enough, 
that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But we have not received that as evidenced by the fact that we need more and more stuff and more and more people to have freedom and joy and peace. When if we have you, we have it all. Lord, we need to respond. Give us the courage. Move our hearts. You're so good. And we seek you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen.